This is Jim Coburn of Commodity Research Group. Our talk today is a special edition of our podcast series. It features Ed Meir and Ben Ryan, who will be discussing precious metals markets. Ed Meir, a co-founder of Commodity Research Group, is a longtime consultant, speaker, writer, analyst on various aspects of metals markets. You can learn more about us on our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our blog and our podcasts. Our special guest today is Ben Ryan. Ben has traded precious metals, options, and futures for the past five years. He is currently with Vela Trading Systems, where he helps clients find solutions to their trading and technical problems. Ben has taught seminars on options trading and theory and consults on metals markets. We'd also like to thank EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast as part of their learning network. EKT Interactive offers effective and affordable e-learning for companies and individuals. Sign up for their Oil 101 e-learning course at ektinteractive.com. And finally, this podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or endorse any particular trading system. We are not responsible for any trading decisions taken. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Okay, today is uh, March 14th. Edmir, Ben Ryan, let's talk about precious metals markets. Thank you very much, Jim, and good evening, Ben. It's nice to chat with you again. We did one of these things a, a couple of months ago, and I think it's uh, uh, high time uh, we revisit gold, uh, silver. We'll talk a bit about Bitcoin. But Ben, let me start off with your thoughts on, you know, um, on what you think of the gold market these days. You know, uh, volatility in all the markets has really picked up this year in 2018, gold uh, as well. And I'm just curious to hear uh, your thoughts as to, as you look into 2018, what drivers do you see both on the upside and on the downside? Thanks, Ed. Well, it's good to be here with you guys. Um, and yes, it has been too long, so I'm glad we're back and and doing this. So, you know, I think last we talked, you know, I came away, I listened to our podcast again, and I, I recognize I sounded quite a bit, you know, biased to the to the upside. And I don't think we're much changed since last we talked. Maybe five or ten dollars higher or lower. Um, but you know, one of the things we discussed was this 1300 level, this 1305 level, just from a chart perspective. And mm -hmm. it, if you look back a couple of years, it's kind of been this flip zone where in a bear market, it's resistance and in a bull market, it's been support. And, right. um, you know, right now, if you look at the longer term chart, it looks like consolidation above that level. So before we get into anything about, you know, what's actually driving these markets, like technically, this thing is holding up right now. And until it breaks that 1300 to 1290 level, all bets yeah. are off at that point. But for now, it just looks like consolidation um, and, and it's not doing much. But the fact that it's holding, I think, is is a positive sign for long-term investors in gold. Right. The, the intraday low was uh, March 1st. I think we got to 1303.60. So that, that seems to be the level that you're talking about. Yep. Okay, on the fundamental side, okay, we're, so we're stuck now, treading water. So what, what do you think will, will break us out, one way or the other? 
So it's a, it's a good question, right? And I think this will get into some other stuff we'll want to discuss, but uh, think about it. Like you would expect when there's a, a little bit of stock market calamity, uh, that would be the time that you'd see gold really perform. And, um, you know, I think we were talking about this the other day, Ed, it, it hasn't really worked out that way, right? Like gold's near yeah. the lower end of yeah, the We just had this really exciting, you know, stock sell off that caught everyone off guard seemingly, which was probably just a run on, you know, the way too many people who were levered short at too low of a vol level and they got run out of their trade. But, you know, where was, where was the volatility then? It didn't happen. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, on that? I was disappointed. Yeah, I was too. In fact, if you look at what happened in February, you had, I don't know, two, 3000 point correction on the Dow, big moves on the S&P 500, NASDAQ. Uh, first time we've, we've gotten a 10% correction since, uh, January of 2016, and yet gold and everything else sold off with the stock market, which was very, very puzzling to me, because right. I would have thought we would have rallied off that weakness. So the question is, do you think, I mean, do you think gold is a safe haven, quote unquote, anymore, or uh, are people moving into something else when we, when we get these equity meltdowns? Maybe, I don't know, maybe the yen or the Swiss franc or... Sure. You know, sure. what are your thoughts on that? Or Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, I guess we'll get to Bitcoin in a minute. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think the challenge right here is that gold is trading actually a lot like the stocks, right? Like even though gold, we don't think of gold as being up. It's it's actually put in a, a solid bottom if you look at it on a multi-year basis, right? So from the lows... Mm -hmm. The S&P 500, sub 700, now it's trading, you know, 2,800. It, it hits up three times or, you know, something like that. So, yeah, it seems like gold's down, but it's actually not. It put in its low around 1050, and here it's trading 1300, 250 off its low. That's about 20%. It's not quite where stocks are. Um, so is it a safe haven? I'm not sure. But here's, here's something that I would just tell people to take a look at, right? Because it, clearly our definition of safe haven can always be wrong. And we need to, to recognize that the definition of a safe haven can change, you know, from market to market. So rather than look at that, if you're kind of a long-term investor, I, I would just take a look, you know, for people at home to take a look at the, a comparison of the chart of the S&P 500 to where, you know, gold is trading and look at that mm -hmm. over like 10 years. And what I think you'll see is that, Gold has, at its peak, when gold traded 1920 or so at its tops in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, that, that was, you know, look at the depth, the difference between the S&P 500 plotted against gold at that point. Look at how wide that is. It's interesting that gold is actually almost as wide except on the other side because the S&P 500 has outperformed gold so much. Since then, right, gold's up 20%, S&P 500 up 300%. So now the S&P 500, if you look at that gold to S&P 500 ratio, is mm -hmm. almost as wide as it was back then, except in the opposite direction. So on some level, if you're a mean reversion trader, I like the idea of owning gold simply because I expect that relationship to collapse or at right. least you know, come in a little bit over time just because of where it is on a historical extreme. So in that respect, I don't know if the next you know, bomb threat is going to cause gold to go up or down, but I do think that it is actually probably something good to be in um, if you want to have 
um, some exposure hedged uh, against the S&P 500 or against the stock market at large. Yeah, that's a good point. And certainly the the stock market is looking, you know, a little more wobbly uh, this year. You know, we have three interest rates coming in, maybe four. Um, you have all this sort of drama out of Washington. And I think what's really most concerning and, and uh, most Im- impactful for the stock market is this uh, is the, the tariff talk. You know, I mean, we, we still don't know what's going to happen, but every couple of days, it seems there is another story of yet another round of, of targets that the, the Trump administration is thinking about you know, moving towards, the latest being 60 billion of trade tariffs to be imposed on the Chinese on a variety of products. The Europeans were talking about uh, targeting certain uh, items that we export to them. So I think that that is really sort of the the Achilles heel for the stock market uh, going forward. This trade trade variable is, is very serious. The question is, is gold going to move this time if we have a correction or not? That, that'll be interesting to see. Well, well, let me ask you, Ed. So uh, you're more the expert on uh, the physical side of the trade and aluminum and I believe it's steel. Are those the two commodities that are going to have tariffs on them or are there more? Uh, the, both of them, actually, both steel and, and aluminum. So do you have any just general comments? Because I, I actually don't know. Uh, for me and everyone else about what that might mean in your opinion or or just some things to be on our radar about how that could impact things going yeah. forward? Well, uh, you know, the, the steel and aluminum tariffs per se aren't going to do much to disrupt prices or, or the supply chain or anything like that. They might in the United States, but globally, uh, they're not going to have much of an impact because it's such a small amount we're talking about. Uh, I mean, the U.S. consumes, I don't know, 5% of the world, world's aluminum. China consumes 50%. So it's its not going to move the needle so much. What concerns me more is sort of the tit-for-tat retaliations. So, you right. know, we, we, we impose duties on steel and aluminum. They're going to impose duties on soybeans and Boeing planes, you know, right. or, or things like that. So it just yeah. kind of spirals out of control. And the S&P 500... Uh, a bulk of their earnings comes from, you know, global sales. So if you if you start getting into a trade war and currencies are sort of going crazy and moving all over the place, I think that's going to be hard for the stock market to kind of navigate through. I agree. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, I, I guess if I had to come up with a counterpoint, I would just say that if I think if, if there's any conclusion I have about Donald Trump, it's that he's uh, he's big on the uh, stock market cheerleader bandwagon, and there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't do anything in his power to keep it going up. Uh, right. So <laughs> perhaps that's the you know that's the put yeah. that we all have. I don't know. And I know, hope it's so. Fun. It's funny though because you know you were getting into the idea of volatility, and I, I agree there are a lot of things in play, and there's also this idea that with these rate raises, you know that's going to make it more attractive. However much it, enough is the question, but if there are these rate raises uh, taking place, then people who want to put their money into bonds are going to get a better yield. And that theoretically should take some money away from the stock market. Right. And in those, right. cases, there might be more room to run on the downside. I mean, if you look at what just happened, we had this 10% correction and usually there was always a buyer underneath. Let's forget the fed. Let's not forget the fed is, you know, flip positions from, 
buyer to seller. So the market has changed very much on, on the bond side. So I, I just think it's important for people to, you know, keep in mind that this is, this is an evolving environment right now. And, right. Um, you know, it, it's still favorable generally to stocks just because it is a historically low interest rate environment. Even if these are higher rates at three or 4%, it's still on the lower end of the spectrum. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It, it seems like the market is susceptible to big drawbacks, but it's also capable of moving higher. And I, I think you see a pretty big buyer's response in the stock market right now. I think people are not exactly tapped out yet on the long side. No, I agree. I agree. And we could see the, the fact that it, it's come roaring back uh, is evidence of that. Ben, let me move on to Bitcoin. You and I have been following it kind of from the sidelines. Sure. Do you think it correlates at all? It doesn't seem to be correlating much with gold, but do you think it's going to kind of, as it, uh, as it matures as an asset class, if you can call it that, sure. do you think it'll kind of replace gold eventually uh, as a safe haven? Sure. So, I mean, when you think about gold, you have to consider how much of its value is derived from uh, its actual utility, right? And it's not utility. It's, it's investment demand that, you know, that drives the price of gold. It's not like its utility or the value of that gold that goes into an iPhone or anything like that. So, um, you know, I, I think you have to, the one thing I've thought about this quite a bit, we've talked about this and I've thought about it quite a bit. And I think the one thing that gold has on its side is that it's been something that humans have valued for millennia. And right. there aren't that many things you can say that about. So I, I just don't like trying to be the guy who predicts that, you know, this is the end for gold or anything like that, because thousands and thousands of years of people have, have found value in it. Now, will Bitcoin or the crypto space in general find that? Uh, very possibly, you know, if, if they have success and the distributed ledger model um, is, is something that really picks up and, you know, companies want to use for their payment systems, then absolutely they could become a store of value. But there's still a lot to be proved in that space. You know, we've seen a lot of you know, as regulation starts to creep into the space, I think, you know, the complexion of who's around and who's not might start to change. So I can't say that Bitcoin's where I'd want to throw my money for the safe haven event. If things go down in a bad way, I'd rather have my money in gold because Bitcoin just has so many different uh, risk, you know, complexities that I don't understand. And don't have I agree. I agree. Like uh, hanging on to your money when you when you put it into an exchange exactly. and hoping it doesn't vaporize. Let me ask you, Ben, about, I mean, I'm looking at the gold chart, back to gold again. You're right. If you kind of look at a chart going back a couple of years, the uh, you, you see a, a a series of higher lows, which in and, in and of itself seems to be bullish. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we, you know, on the next leg higher, do you think we have a shot of getting to, let's say, 1400, 1450, something like that? Because uh, Reuters did a poll of about 10 analysts, and I think seven of them uh, thought that we could get to 1400 by year end. Sure. So, um, yeah, I don't think, I think 1400 is really no problem. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, that's $75 away. And, I, right. you know, that, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be a big deal at all really to me. Right. It's, it's not that big of a move, maybe five, 6% or something like that. But, right. um, I know I actually, you know, if, if I were to go with upside targets, 
you know, on gold. And, you know, this assumes that it goes up, right? It, it's only if it goes yep. up that this scenario works. But if it does go up, um, I can actually see it getting up towards like 1475. And I think we've talked about this kind of like a 50% retracement from the low at 1050 or so to. 1920 mm -hmm. high like I believe 1475 is like right about 50 percent and right. there's some uptrend lines that I have going back a ways that I think uh interact with that number and um 1475 this year or next I could see it this year I you could see, see it this year. year okay that's uh, that's very interesting yeah I mean you, if you if you take a look like basically we're where this 1375 level if you look back it's like really been a strong point of resistance but once you get above that they're, they're really going back to like even 2013, 14, like gold really hasn't spent a whole lot of, a whole lot of time above 1400. It's kind of like uncharted territory. If you take a look at the map. So I, I feel right. like it, it, it gives it that extra potential to kind of blow through 1400 up towards 1500. If it's able to crack this 1375 level specifically because it has so much time significance it's been a real level of resistance now going back into mid-2016 and even further, you know, back until 2014, 2013. That's been a really tough level for gold to break. So if it does, I, I think yeah. all the shorts are going to cover, and I think you can get a nice rally up to 1,500. You're right. If, if it does, uh, sort of, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty clear sailing after that, on, at least technically on the charts. Right. Uh, ben, before we wrap up, I know you want to say a few words about silver. Um, sure. What do you like about it or don't like about it? Uh, I kind of see it shadowing gold. I think the correlation between the two is something like 95%. So why would you be in silver as opposed to gold or why be in gold as opposed to silver? Sure. So I, I, I don't have like, again, when it gets into all the, um, you know, uh, economic debates about how the, the two perform against each other, I, I don't really have a great understanding of that. Right. Neither so, do I. But what I can say is that like in terms of their relative value to each other and price, I believe the gold to silver ratio right now is somewhere around the number of like 80 to one. I, I would have to check, but it's around that number. And historically, right. you know, I, I feel like I remember maybe five years ago or so when I was just starting to trade when I, I think it was like 60 and we all thought that was high at the time. So gold is actually in relative terms, you know, pretty, pretty healthy towards, you know, pretty, pretty well off compared to silver on a historical basis. But if you look at silver, there's not a whole lot going on. The one thing I would note is that the commercials have uh, flipped to the long side, and those who trade precious metals know that the commercials tend to have a pretty good track record. So it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen tomorrow. But what I see is a, a chart that has just gone nowhere. But it, it like gold, which has started to slowly move up, silver's kind of also making like higher lows and lower highs. It's just doing it in a very consolidated range. So if silver is able to break out on the upside, I think it's just worth paying attention to because if, if you're going to play a gold breakout strategy and the two get near the same point, you might get better bang for your buck with silver. So I'm not advocating anything on, on the silver side. I just think it's worth paying attention to. You know? it, it's worth paying attention to on a relative basis, exactly. uh, which is your point. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I think we've covered uh, pretty much everything that I wanted to ask you, Ben. Uh, if you have if you have anything else I've left out, feel free. If not, we'll wrap it up. No, uh, thanks very much for um, taking the time to speak tonight. No problem. We'll be signing off. Thanks, Jim, for organizing. And that's it from us at Commodity Research Group. Thank you very much.